Today on the show, after a long day of kicking ass, it's about time we tune our strings and sing you a song of the greatest poet warrior in the universe. On the first day of Christmas. Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name's Leo. And Leo. Yes. Today we're focusing on the character portion of our intro. Yes. We're talking about my boy, Gurney Halleck. What an iconic and amazing character. Such an incredible character. And, mind you, a side character. Yeah. But he deserves his own episode. And we are going to make the case for why today. He deserves his own miniseries. <laughs> he is an incredible side character. And one who, as you read Dune for the first time, you'll see that he is significant. But I think it's easy to miss the incredible depth to his story and the impact that he really has on the universe and Frank's entry into this world. Yeah, completely. Well, let's get some housekeeping things out of the way. Sure. First and foremost, Leo, we have to do another listener shout out. Yeah. Because today's episode, once again, we've been on this streak of listener suggestion episodes lately. Thanks to Rich Stein for reaching out to us, emailing us, and suggesting a Gurney Halleck deep dive episode. We're doing it today. Thank you so much for emailing us, Rich. We love to hear from our listeners. And don't forget, <laughs> everyone listening, you can always get in touch with us at gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. Send us those episode ideas. Just write to us to say hello. Tell us how to pronounce words right. I mean, we love to hear <laughs> all of it. It's amazing. And another thing to mention at the top here, no spoilers. Mm-hmm. We found a way to focus on Gurney Halleck, to talk about Gurney Halleck, without diving into the actual pages of Dune. We are going to be focusing on his life up until those first pages, so that, again, just like when we focused on the technology of Dune or the weapons of Dune, these are things, you know, Gurney is someone you're going to be seeing, and hopefully... If you are about to go into your first reading of Dune, you will have a better appreciation right from the start of who he is, so you can enjoy the story even better. Mm -hmm. And if you are a long-term Dune fan, I am thrilled to bring you a little bit of his history that even I didn't know, Yeah, despite my uh, obsession with all of this material. Yeah, totally. I think today's episode is going to be of value to newcomers to the Dune universe, but also to people who have read the books time and time again. Today's the origin story of Gurney Halleck. I mean, he's one of the main supporting characters in the story, right? It's important to understand who he is and where he comes from. Right, right. He is literally Paul's mentor, one of his closest friends, and plays a very active role <laughs> yeah. in shaping who Paul becomes right. from a very early age. And we'll get into that a little later on. But it's just really important to understand when we come across this character in the upcoming movie, or if you come across him in the books, the books won't give you his backstory. He will just already be there right. in Paul's life. <laughs> Today, Leo and I are going to fill in that backstory for you so that you go into it 
with a greater appreciation for everything Gurney Halleck stands for. Like any young man, we meet Paul on the first page of Dune, and he's 15, right? 14, 15? Yeah. We all had mentors and friends and really, you know, kind of like father figures, Mm -hmm. especially you imagine a 15-year-old son of a duke. His dad's busy. Right. He's got a planet to run. So who are the guys that kind of play that part of father figure? Well, one of them is Gurney. So I think you're spot on. Plus, in addition to being just a badass and super, super cool, and we're going to talk all about him, he plays a pretty mean Balisette, which uh, yeah. is basically a loot uh, or like a banjo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if, if you know what a loot is, it's, it's basically a loot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, greatest, one of the greatest swordsmen in the universe, also a soft side. Yeah. You got to love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's get into Gurney. Let, let's jump right in. Before we get into his early years and his formative years and talk about young Gurney Halleck, Let's set this scene very briefly. Here's a quick overview of who Gurney Halleck is. Gurney is officially, when we meet him in the Dune novels and when we meet him in the movie, he is the war master of House Atreides and an aide to Duke Leto. He sits on the Duke's war council alongside Swordmaster Duncan motherfucking Idaho, (laughs) who we are also huge fans of here on Gamjabar, and Mentet Thufir Hawat, who we talked about in our two-part Mentat episode from a really long time ago, like a year ago now. Yeah, it's been a minute, huh? Yeah. So Gurney's job responsibilities include training Paul, like we've mentioned, in the art of stabbing people. He is one of the best swordsmen in the universe, and he has the responsibility of training the up-and-coming Duke, Paul. You got to stab someone? Ask Gurney. Yeah. He knows how. He's real good at it. Real good. Everyone knows. You got to stab someone. Gurney's one of the top guys, top stabbers. Top stabbers. Look, he's stabbed a guy or two in his life, you know? He knows what to do. Allegedly. Allegedly. True. (laughs) We are not his legal counsel, but (laughs) word on the street is, yeah, he's killed some people. (laughs) Yeah, word on the street. Actually, one of my all-time favorite Dune quotes happens really early on in Dune, like within the first like couple of pages. Yeah. And it's from our boy Gurney. And I want to quote it here because it's so good. Early on, Paul is complaining to Gurney about how he doesn't want to train, right? Like, same, he's, dude, same Paul. Uh, right. Ugh. I get that vibe. I didn't want to train when I was 15 either. I don't want to train now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So Paul's complaining that he's not in the mood for training today, blah, blah, blah. Gurney, I don't want it today. Right. And Gurney's response is this. Right. Quote, what has mood to do with it? You fight when the necessity arises, no matter the mood. Mood's a thing for cattle or making love <laughs> or playing the balisette. End quote. Hell yeah. Yeah. By the way, spoken like a man who is well known for playing the balisette. Uh-huh. Clearly has some experience with cattle. Definitely. And you know. You know. Has plenty of experience with making love. Gurney Halleck <laughs> fucks. It's confirmed. <laughs> canon. <laughs> canon. It is canon. <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. And I think it speaks to the type of person Gurney is, right? Yeah. He is the guy who is willing to put his head down, brace his shoulders, and just get the job done. He's actually described Mm -hmm. as a pretty ugly dude. (laughs) He's he's kind of described as this lump of a man guy. But to be fair, 
Frank really doesn't dwell on character appearances. You know, he he'll like touch on it briefly mm-hmm. when researching for this episode. We really had to like dig for that description in the book itself. But he does have a scar on his jawline, and we're going to talk about that soon. He's got this sort of ink vine scar that sort of I kind of always pictured it like a lightning strike, you know? Yeah. And which he got from the Harkonnens. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But if you need a mental picture, just so you know how he's been sort of portrayed in the past, who <laughs> who played him in the 1984 David Lynch film? Patrick Stewart, baby. Captain, my captain. <laughs> captain, my captain. That was such a fun casting. Yeah. Arguably a highlight of the movie. Also, another man who canonically and confirmed fucks. <laughs> for forever i mean he's not stopping (laughs) guy's old still at it it's pretty impressive in the sci-fi channel miniseries in uh, the 2001 the one that was a little bit later he's played by ph moriarty which i don't know who that is but yeah i'm not familiar if you do that's who it was and and i think this is perfect and i think by the end of this episode you'll agree that this is perfect yeah ignoring the ugly part because this guy's handsome in the upcoming Denny Villeneuve film, he's going to be played by Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. A.K.A. Thanos. <laughs> Thanos himself, yeah. Also, the, the guy with the silver arm in one of those action movies. Didn't he play like an assassin someone? Yeah, in Deadpool, he played Cable. Cable, yeah, that's right. You know, when I heard this, I thought, perfect. Yeah. One, 100% perfect. Yeah. I think maybe the rest of this episode is just going to be trying to convince you that josh brolin is the best casting (laughs) truly and look we've already seen what he looks like as gurney yeah in the trailer yeah we get multiple shots of josh brolin as gurney halleck in fact we get a shot of him training with paul right in a really cool sequence where i uh, hope we also get that quote about mood and cattles and love making baby (laughs) my favorite quote i mean to be fair it's my favorite quote that includes all of making music, yeah. making love, and herding cattle. So It's that <laughs> intersection of all my interests. He's ready to write some country music. Let's just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Leo. So that sets the stage of who Gurney is and potentially what he may or may not look like. But we should talk about his origin story and where he started his life right. and how he got to the point of looking like Josh Brolin. I mean, <laughs> you got to go through some shit. So before we jump into it, one small caveat that we do have to address is how we sourced the research for today's episode, because there are some competing sources on what is and is not canon. Yes. We on this podcast are going to use Frank's own novels and the Dune Encyclopedia as our primary sources for today's discussion about Gurney and his past. Yeah. We realize that Brian Herbert in his prequel novels and expanded lore novels has changed the origin story of Gurney Halleck, but we are going to be ignoring that for the most part today. And yeah, that having been said, let's finally talk about Gurney and his origin story. Right. So little baby Gurney Halleck was born in 10,135 AG after Guild. This is five years before... Paul's father is born. Mm-hmm. And I say this because early on we mentioned he kind of, in Paul's early years, he kind of acts as a father figure. It is worth knowing that as we meet 
Oscar Isaac mm. with his incredible beard. Mm. He and Gurney are about the same age. Just wanted to put that out there for strengthening your understanding of this kind of timeline. Right. Uh, you know, touching back on what these years mean and where we are in relationship. You know, we're we're just shy of 60 years before the first pages of Dune is when Gurney is born. Correct. Correct. And he was the eldest son of his father, August Halleck, and his mother, Ultora Halleck. Right. And the Halleck's were a minor house on the planet Trusuk. So remember from our Factions of Dune episode, there are major houses who are the primary sort of stakeholders in the Empire. And then there are the minor houses below them that usually serve these major houses. Yep. Now, 60 years before the Pages of Dune, the Halleck's, the Halleck family, ran a small business making and selling musical instruments of the highest quality. Hell yeah. This is very on brand. Good for them. Yeah. They're running that guitar shop in town. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love this detail. Talk about world building to have instrument shops and, you know, culture and art. Yeah. And I love that this is his family business is making balisets and and it, it, a couple of other instruments, right? Mm -hmm. Balisets. Salishores and lyrif flutes? That sounds right. Yeah, some kind of flute, you know? It's kind of cool. Yeah, if you know how to say that, <laughs> right. email us. Right. <laughs> Please help us. So who is in Gurney's family? Who is in the Halleck clan at the moment? Well, it's obviously his mother and father, Gurney himself. Right. And then he has two other siblings, a brother named Kyle. <laughs> okay. Kyle, yeah, I know. And then a younger sister named Annette. I've had friends talk about, as they get into Dune, the incredible names, you know, how many cool names there are. Yeah. <laughs> and then main character's Paul and his mother's Jessica. Right. And they always say that seems out of place. And yeah, next to Fufir and Gurney and yeah. Yui. And, and Fade Rotha. Fade like, Rotha and stuff. And then you have Paul, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle and Annette Halleck. <laughs> oh, the greatest swordsman in the universe. And his brother. Kyle. <laughs> it's just fun. No offense to you if you're named Kyle. Just know that there's a great Kyle out there. Well, he's short for this world, but we'll get there. <laughs> Short-lived. Short-lived representation <laughs> yeah. of Kyle's in the Dune universe. <laughs> right, right. So he has a brother and a younger sister. Yeah. And like I was saying, they, they run this family business, this music business. And Gurney was raised from a very early age to basically, as the elder son, take over the family business. That was the expectation. Once his father retired, Gurney would take over, continue the guitar shop, baby. But Gurney had other ambitions. I mean, it turned out that he had a real affinity for the set, as we've mentioned. He's an incredible set player. And at this point, he asked his parents if he could actually shoot his shot at sort of being a traveling entertainer for the major houses, if he could hire himself out. And uh, unfortunately, Leo, he never quite got the opportunity to shoot his shot as an entertainer. Yeah. And you'll never guess the family, the house uh -huh. that shut his shot down. Oh, my God. You'll never, ever guess. Okay, it's the Harkonnens. <laughs> the Harkonnens. 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 They're so mean. Right. He just wanted to play music. And probably smoke a lot of weed, you know, like... It probably smoked some weed, you know? <laughs> uh, 420 Blaze, uh, he's a Spacing Guild member. 
traveling and smoking weed. That's what he wanted to do. He yeah. wanted to get on that Samuda. Oh, he wanted to Samuda. take a little sippy sip of that Sappho juice. <laughs> he just wanted to like get to that next level, man, and play some music, man. Yeah. And then, you know, the record stop as the parents get home and the party has to get broken up. In the year 10,155 AG, the Harkonnens yeah. ordered an attack against House Uterp. Um, I said that wrong. How do you say it? Uh, <laughs> House Uterp. U- 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 house Uterp. <laughs> I, I have no idea how to pronounce this house, but I, I commend you for your bold attempts. I said it with 100% confidence. You really did. I believed you. And immediately... <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, yeah. House Uterp. Uterp. <laughs> that house is what yeah. is who the the Harkonnens ordered an attack against, and they were the rulers of Planet Chusik. Yep. So, you know, you might think, oh, the Harkonnens were, you know, enacting revenge for some terrible thing. No, they based this attack on some false accusations. They just wanted to attack Mm. based on some stupid reasons. And we'll get into those in a second. Yeah. But again, very on brand for the Uh, big bad Harkonnens. So on brand. Yeah. We'll talk about their reasons for attacking in a second. But first, we got to talk about the devastation from this attack. This attack left over, and this is an astounding statistic, left over one third of the planet's industrial areas in ruins. Yeah. And the Harkonnens ended up taking 50,000, roughly 50,000 captives. And Gurney and his younger sister, Annette, were included in those captives. Terrible. Now, Leo, you might be wondering what happened to Gurney's legendary brother, Kyle. Kyle. During this attack. He survived, right? He did it. Oh, no. (laughs) Kyle. (laughs) Kyle. We knew you for so long. You were such an integral part to my understanding of Dune. Uh, we built such an attachment to you. Why did we do that? I really did. <laughs> I am legitimately sad that Kyle is dead. Yeah. So not only actually is Kyle dead, but the entire Halleck clan is wiped out during this Oof. Harkonnen attack. Yeah. The only Halleck survivors in the universe now are Gurney and Annette, and both of them are prisoners of the Harkonnens. Man. So why reap all this destruction, Leo? Yeah. Why? What are the reasons that the Harkonnens attacked? Hopefully good ones, right? This is fucking absurd. Probably like good uh, good reasons? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, they're bad reasons. <laughs> they're, this is just terrible. <laughs> Reason number one. House Uterp was an Atreides ally. So an attack against Uterp was a proxy attack against the Atreides. Mm. You know, you're friends with the wrong people, so I'm going to beat you up and stuff you in a locker. By the way... Partially because you can't beat House Atreides. <laughs> House Atreides is that buff, yeah. awesome, popular kid over there. Yeah. And you're like, I can't beat him in a fight. With a heart of gold. Heart of gold. Everyone's friends with him. I'm going to quietly just destroy his like smaller, <laughs> weaker friend. It's brutal. It's so uncool. Yeah, it's literally just a proxy attack against the Atreides. The Harkonnens don't have a legitimate reason to go after Chisik and to go after House Uterp. It's just a way to poke and prod and annoy the Atreides. Right. Secondarily, there's actually an even grosser reason, false reason for this attack. And it's because the planet and House Uterp is relatively weak 
and the planet itself is relatively undefended, that the Duke Vladimir Harkonnen, who at this point is the leader of the Harkonnens, chooses it as a good place to sort of test out his new up-and-coming nephew, <laughs> Glossu Beast Raban. Ever heard of him? Ever heard of him. Everyone calls him Beast Raban. Right. And I have learned his name is Glossu like seven times. Right. And I can never remember. <laughs> and I keep keep forgetting it. <laughs> I just think of him as Beast Raban. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but he earns the name. Right. He really earns the name. Right. And the Duke decides, hey, I got this young nephew who needs some military training. Let's uh, let's send him over to Chislik to just wipe out a third of the industrial areas and take 50,000 captives because it's uh, going to be an easy victory for my guy. It'll look good on his resume. <laughs> what an absolutely fucked up reason to like wipe out the Halleck clan and to destroy so many people's lives. But that's the Harkonnens for you. Yeah, you're right. This builds up Beast's resume. This makes him yeah. kind of sets him up for maybe future rule of some people. Well, he also gets to decide. You've got these 50,000 captives, approximately. Mm -hmm. Well, let's divide those up. And, of course, Raban's terrible and does this in just the grossest way. The first group of these 50,000 are the strong, healthy men sent to the slave pits on Giddy Prime and Gurney. Our man Gurney is in this group. Aspiring... <laughs> Balisset performer, yeah, son of a guitar maker, <laughs> effectively, <laughs> is still a strong, healthy man. So he's sent in this group. The second group are the young and attractive women sent to, you'll never believe it, the slave slash pleasure houses on Giddy Prime. And yeah, yuck. Talk about tragic. Annette is in that group. So the Gurney clan is split between. Slave pits and pleasure houses. Yeah. This is a tough, tough day for the Halleck clan. And again, really cements that these are the bad guys. Right. And and a little fun fact to make that, well, not a fun fact, <laughs> a little horrible fact to make this even grosser. This Harkonnen attack took place around when Gurney is 20. Right. You have to remember, Annette is his younger sister. Yeah. So we're talking, she's still a teenager. Yeah. Disgusting stuff. And you might think, well, okay, strong, healthy guys, slave pits, attractive young women in the pleasure houses. Well, that leaves, you know, kind of older, weaker, maybe the children. Surely the Harkonnens can, like, stretch their imagination and come up with a good, fulfilling life and way that they can be productive. No, they just execute all of them. What? <laughs> they just kill them all. The younglings. The younglings. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed... To end the Sith. No, he was always a Sith. <laughs> and you know what? Raban can't just, like, let this happen off screen. He's like, yo, I want to watch. This is my this is my YouTube. This is my Netflix. Yeah. Order me some pizza with anchovies, my favorite. <laughs> Ew. While I watch the slaughter of the elderly of the weak and of the useless children who can't go to the slave pits or to the pleasure houses where we sent the first two groups. Pizza with anchovies. I mean, he earns the name, right? He's not named Cuddly Raban for a reason. <laughs> Although, what a story that would be. 50,000 prisoners, and he cuddled every one of them one at a time. Wow. Uh, 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 yes. Cuddly Raban. I'd buy a t-shirt of a Cuddly Raban. 
like a little like a teddy bear like a maybe we do a collab with build a bear and it's a cuddly raban <laughs> build your own raban somehow it's poisonous just <laughs> somehow okay we're gonna take a quick break here to pay some bills but stick around we'll be right back so what what is life like in the slave pits let's follow gurney first what is life like in the slave pits um not great oh no (laughs) (laughs) lo and behold not great gurney spends the next decade of his life in the harkonnen slave pits and this is absolutely brutal i mean life in the slave pits is nothing but manual labor the encyclopedia notes that the life expectancy if you were someone caught in the harkonnen slave pits was no more than five years so just the fact that gurney even survives twice as long as that is a testament to his will to his willpower so the average life expectancy, he doubled. Yeah. And didn't die, <laughs> to be clear. Didn't die. I mean, maybe that's a spoiler for the rest of this episode, but this isn't where the episode ends. <laughs> yeah. So 10 years where the average person, the average young, strong man was dying at five, Gurney survived 10. And I mean, really, it just seems like it's out of pure hatred right like it is that's the thing that would really fucking get to them is by surviving yeah i mean he's just obsessed and consumed by this hatred for the harkonnens for the people that not only killed his family burned his planet but turned his life upside down utterly destroyed his life ripped away his music career (laughs) i was gonna say this is about as angsty as a lot of the professional musicians as i (laughs) i don't know yeah, he, he is fueled by this hatred for the Harkonnens, and he really keeps himself sane through all of this, through all this brutal decade in the slave pits, by focusing on that fact, focusing on his hatred, and honestly, by thinking back and remembering the old songs of his of Chisick, of his planet, yeah, and sort of, when he has the time, I assume, composing new ones, or maybe even composing new ones in his head as a way to focus and stay sane while he's going through day in and day out of manual labor because every day was a battle i mean this is another absolutely insane fact from the encyclopedia it notes that the harkonnens intentionally rationed food and water for the slaves to make it so that the slaves had to fight each other for the food and water they needed to survive yeah and so every day for gurney every day of these 10 years was literally a fight for survival against his fellow slaves to simply get the food and water he would need. Yeah. And he learned a lot of survival skills and a lot of fighting and a lot of that brutality here in this decade. All while music kept him sane and kind of a memory of music. Yeah. I mean, really, that's his tether to everything that isn't his hatred, right? Like, yeah, there's his anger and his hatred and his fighting and his killing, but he still has that music at his heart. Quick aside... Have you read the uh, uh, the King Killer Chronicles? I haven't. For anybody listening, there is a very similar kind of theme with a character who was a traveling performer and played music and used playing music to kind of tether their sanity through this incredibly difficult time. And there was a really powerful moment where he runs out of songs that he's recalling, so he starts writing new songs, but without any kind of formal training. So this really strikes the same chord for me huh. and it, it's beautiful and it's tragic and it it's terrible that it happens to such a good person like gurney but that's the nature of dune there's a lot of really dark stuff happening all the time right 
And to his credit, he perseveres. Right. Yeah. And it's around year nine of his captivity that a pivotal moment happens and his life genuinely begins to sort of change here. Around year nine, Raban visits the slave pit. So at this point, Beast Raban, everyone's calling him Beast by this point. He's earned that title. Yeah. And he is the governor of Arrakis. And he decides to do a little tour of the slave pits as the governor of Arrakis. And when he arrives there, he notices Gurney. Yeah. He sort of recognizes this tenacity and this strong will to survive in <laughs> Gurney because nine years later, after this attack, after Gurney and his sister Annette are taken prisoner, yeah. Gurney is the only Chiswick survivor to still be alive in these slave pits. Yeah. Think about that. That's wild. Of 50,000 captives, even if we assume a th only a third of them were healthy and sent to these slave pits, we're talking thousands of other Chiswick survivors never probably made it past the five or six year mark. Right. Gurney is still here nine years later, and he is here staring down the man that destroyed his life. And staring him down is a good way to put it because <laughs> he is just laser locked, focused on Raban. Yeah. And Raban's like, yo, why are you being mad? I only like... <laughs> captured all of your planet right. took your sister away killed your family yeah what the heck bro why aren't we cool <laughs> <laughs> and gurney's like you know what you look thirsty friend here's some moisture i'm gonna give some moisture to the soon to be dead yeah spits in his face spits in beast raban's face that must have felt so satisfying that must have felt so good oh my god he waited nine fucking <laughs> years for that he was saving that spit up for <laughs> nine years and he finally got to loose it on the dumb face of beast raban so yeah really cathartic moment mm -hmm. that definitely didn't immediately have consequences <laughs> yeah except did did oh damn because our boy beast for bond very on brand throws a tantrum reaches over to a guard nearby takes an ink vine whip as we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and hits gurney in the face with his whip and that's the moment that gurney halleck gets his iconic recognizable ink vine scar along his jaw right and then beast for bond storms off and doesn't even get the pleasure of hearing gurney squirm or scream or call out in pain. Gurney is silent when he takes that whip across the face. Oh my God. He's a musician. A musician. The choice not to make a sound there and the ability and the control. Yeah. And how tough he is now, nine years of slave pitting later. Right. Is, oh, it's tangible. Yeah. What a powerful moment. And what a way to piss off Raban, right? <laughs> Don't give him the pleasure. Yeah. So let's talk about what happens in year 10 for Gurney at these slave pits because finally things are turning around. Right. And he gets rescued by none other than the Atreides, baby. Hell yeah. Those are the good guys. They are. <laughs> them's them's the protagonists. They didn't kill the younglings. They saved the younglings. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what they do here, actually. So <laughs> 10 years later, after this unprovoked attack against Chisik just to annoy the Atreides. Right. Fucking Vladimir Harkonnen <laughs> does it again. And attacks another ally of the Atreides. You know, went great the first time. No consequences? Cool. Do it again. Except this time, we've got some vengeance. Vengeance. We've got some retaliation 
from Oscar Isaac himself. Yes. Or, well, Duke Leto, but again. Oscar Isaac in our minds and hearts forever. Yeah. Forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duke Leto has, at this point, had it up to here with this guy, Vlad. Yeah. And decides to order a counterattack, not against a Harkonnen ally planet like the Harkonnens have been, <laughs> sort of tap dancing around this conflict. Right. No. Oscar Isaac decides we're going to counterattack Guinea Prime directly and we're going to hit him where it hurts, the slave pits, the slave labor of Guinea Prime. That's where we're going. Straight for the neck. Yeah. This is the foundation of their workforce. Yeah. What happens if you get that taken away from you, Vlad? Yeah. I mean, again, Duke Leto, you got to put some respect on that man's name. Yeah. This is a flex. This is such a good move on his part. And the Atreides forces charge in here and they end up freeing many of the slaves in these slave pits on Guinea Prime and taking them back to Kaladin. And of course, one of those slaves is our boy, Gurney Halleck. Right. So now he's been rescued. He's been taken back to Kaladin and he's given an offer. All of these slaves are given an offer. They're given two options. One you can go out into the universe and try to reconnect with whatever family or friends or home you have left. Right. You are free to do that as you please. Or option number two, join the Atreides and we will take care of you. Right. And you will be a part of our family here. And there's no like sneaky caveat here, right? Like, yeah, you wrote this down from the encyclopedia. And if it's all right, I'll read it. Yeah. Yeah. It says the Atreides, it was stressed, kept no slaves. Anyone who chose to join their service would be certain of being treated fairly, of being free to leave that service at any time, other than under conditions of war, of course, and of Duke Leto's loyalty in exchange for his own. It's reciprocal. Yeah. Dude is loyal to them as much as they are loyal to him. I mean, beyond the fact that Giddy Prime as a planet kind of sucks and Caladan's this beautiful paradise, that must be the sweetest balm of all <laughs> yeah. to be... Yeah. Even if you're still working for someone or, or yielding a product on behalf of a large, prominent house, to know that the person cares about you, you're compensated, you're not a slave, and he's loyal to you and invested in your well-being? Oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> it's really wonderful. I mean, seriously. Note to my employer, <laughs> past, present, and future. <laughs> I also like the absolute... Because, again, the universe of Dune is very political. You know, all of the houses have kind of agreed we're not going to do certain things. We're going to play by certain rules because if you don't, it makes it complicated for everybody else. And, you know, everybody's kind of obeying the rules. This direct attack on Giddy Prime, I imagine, would actually be kind of a problem. Yeah. You know, for the Emperor, for the other houses major, because they know House Atreides is a formidable fighting force. And I love that no one could come back at Leto Atreides and be like, hey, I heard you freed a bunch freed of slaves. Slaves. How dare you? <laughs> how, da how, how dare you? <laughs> no, that's great. That's fine. <laughs> like, just politically, he would get such a pass for this retaliation. Yeah. yeah. Because this isn't like, I don't know, crushing the capital of Kaitan. This is <laughs> freeing slaves <laughs> from one of the few houses that yeah. uses slaves. So I, I do appreciate that that is, not only is this indicative of Duke Leto's goodness as a person and, and the fact that he's willing to fight back if uh, the Harkonnens push it far enough, 
But I also appreciate that this is like politically savvy. Yeah. And still sits within the rules that Dune creates for what sorts of actions houses will take against one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a brilliant political tactical move here. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, of the two options, as, we, as we've established, Gurning has basically no more planet to go home to and he has no family to go home to. Right. And so he chooses option number two here. He has shown compassion for the first time in a decade, and he decides that he will be loyal to the Atreides. And, of course, as we know, he is loyal to them up into the first pages of Dune and through the Dune novels as well. Uh, this is the start of Gurney's journey with the Atreides household, and he enlists with them immediately here on one condition, because he does have one family member that's maybe still out there. Right. right. And that's his younger sister, Annette. And so he enlists on the condition that he will be allowed to attempt a rescue mission of his sister if he is able to locate her. And of course, the Atreides, being the good people they are, agree. Yeah. It's mentioned here, years pass. You know, this is 10 years after she was taken. She's not even 30 yet, right? He kind of goes through this rising in the ranks, that could look bad, you know, Gurney's over here focusing on his career and not <laughs> saving his sister. Yeah. It is pretty well understood that he expects that she's dead. Ten years of slave pits later, Gurney's like, I'll help you as long as I can potentially try to save my sister if I find out where she is. Yeah. But he says all of that. I get the impression he says all of that with the understanding that she's probably gone. Yeah. And if anything, it's just going to be... I will be loyal to you, but if I if I hear about this, I want you at my back. Right. And right. of course, again, Leto says, "Hell yeah, brother, <laughs> let's do it." And look, the guy saw all of his fellow Chusik captives die around him. Right. Remember, he was the last one left by the time Raban confronted him at the nine year mark. So, you're you're totally right. Like it's not unfair to think that Gurney at this point still maybe clinging to a thread of hope, but maybe knows deep down in his heart that is there's a very slim chance that his sister is still alive at this point. Right. But like you said, he rises quickly through the ranks of the Atreides. He puts his all into it. He has learned through the slave pits how to survive, how to fight. It's toughened him up. He's Hell no yeah. longer the wimpy, <laughs> Samuta-smoking, hippie <laughs> guitarist that he was 20 yeah. years ago. As a young lad on Chisuk, the dude is hardened now. He has seen some shit. Yeah. And so he rises quickly through the ranks of the Atreides military. And to kind of put this in perspective, at age 30 is when he enlists. Right. Like they just touched down on Caladan. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Let's do this. He's 30 years old. Okay. Right. Okay. And then by age 40, just another decade later, he has gone through a number of promotions (laughs) and now has a place on Leto's military council in Leto's (laughs) inner circle in just a decade. (laughs) He's at the military council for the planet. (laughs) Yeah. 30, freely rescued, nothing really going on. 10 years later. One of the most influential people on planet Caladan. Right. It's amazing. It's a glow up. It's a glow up for Gurney. And to be clear, he has spent this last decade following a number of unsuccessful leads to try and track down his sister. It's not like he has given up on his sister through this decade as he's worked hard to climb the ranks. He has still been looking for her. And finally, in the year 10,176 AG. So he's 41. 
41 years old. So he's 41 years old. Yeah. He learns finally the truth about his sister. And the fact is what he probably knew deep down all along, that she didn't survive. Right. In fact, it turns out that she tragically ended her own life on the very first day of her captivity. You know, when I read that, it is tragic, no doubt. And even having suspected it for the better part of, you know, 10 years, I'm sure it was still absolutely devastating for Gurney. Gutting, yeah. But I know that the alternative, because the Harkonnens are so awful, and the pleasure houses, again, I'm sure it says somewhere the specifics of what goes on in these sorts of institutions, but a young teenage woman being subjected to that for 10 years, and it's almost like, I don't think the Harkonnens would have let her live anyway. So is it better that she died right away before being you know, tortured mind, body, and soul by these monsters. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's there's, there's no real silver lining here, but it, yeah, I'm glad that he didn't find her 10 years later, just broken and a shell of herself. Yeah. Bro yeah. That would have been a whole nother level of traumatic yeah. and heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gurney saw what a decade in the slave pits can do to a person and probably barely made it out himself with his sanity and, and his mind and his body, yeah. I think in some way it's safe to assume that it's a comfort to Gurney to know that his sister didn't go through 10 years of what he did right. and potentially worse than what he did. And uh, it, you know, I'm sure it gutted him to hear the news even this late in his life. Right. But yeah, you're, you're right. You, it's hard to call it a silver lining. It's hard to argue one way or another. A tragic loss of life is a tragic loss of life, no matter how you split it. Yeah. But I like to think that Gurney finds a little bit of comfort in the fact that his sister didn't suffer long. Right. And by this point, he actually had also returned to playing the Balasen. Yeah. And I imagine, considering remembering the songs of his homeworld and composing new ones was how he clung to sanity in the slave pits... I'm sure that this also, although it must have been so difficult and painful and emotional to get back to playing that music that had been running through his head for 10 years, I'm sure that it also helped him reconnect with a sense of family, even if they're no longer with him. They are still his foundation as a person. Yeah. And the lessons he learned from his parents and his experience with the instruments and those things make him who he is and could never be taken away from him no matter the bloodshed and the violence of the Harkonnens. Completely. Beautifully said. Yeah, it, it's so nice to hear that even this late in life, Gurney returned to his roots, returned to the thing that connected him to his homeworld, to his family, and the thing that he loved since childhood, music. And it's wonderful that he picked that back up again. Also, quick side note, you'll see Gurney play Balisette at different times in Dune. I did not know... <laughs> the emotional resonance of this for him. Yeah. And uh, frankly, I'm probably going to almost almost entirely for this character reread parts of the first book again, 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 <laughs> just to think about, you know, he's playing some song. He's talking about a story and he's maybe he's singing a song. Yeah. Maybe this was one of the songs or at least this is the thing that kept him sane and allows him to be this kind of beautiful person. Yeah. You know, it, it's, so keep that in mind. If you see Josh Brolin string up an instrument in the upcoming movie, just know how powerful and beautiful that is. Just by the very nature of him putting his hands on the instrument is already a major victory yeah. 
for Gurney Halleck over House Harkonnen. Yeah, absolutely. So let's wrap up Gurney's life and bring him to the modern day and get ourselves caught up to the first pages of Dune. Gurney, at this point, as we've stated, is extremely loyal to the Atreides and has quickly risen up the ranks in the Atreides military. And really the next notable thing that happens in Gurney's life is that at a particular battle against the Harkonnens, the Battle of Grumman, right. Gurney is really impressed by this new recruit <laughs> who has just joined the Atreides yeah. named Duncan motherfucking Idaho. You seen him climb rocks? <laughs> <laughs> it was a rock climbing excursion. It's really impressive. Really impressive guy. <laughs> Super impressive. I mean, God. And and Gurney is so impressed by a young Duncan Idaho at this battle yeah. that he decides to take him on as his protege. And, and so thanks to Gurney's tutelage, Idaho climbed the ranks of the Atreides military even faster than Gurney did himself. And as we mentioned at the top of the episode, both Gurney and Duncan Idaho are one of Duke Leto's closest aides and sit on his council. And this sort of gives you a sense of their age. Like Gurney at this point is a veteran uh, of the Atreides. And Duncan was just a young recruit when Gurney took him under his wing. And uh, now even a young Duncan Idaho has climbed to the ranks of his master. And both of them sit as equals on that council. So that speaks to Gurney's ability as a swordmaster, as a teacher, as a mentor. And that, of course, speaks to Duncan's ability as just a motherfucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, ultimately, this brings us to modern day first page of Dune, Gurney. Gurney Halleck, first page of Dune. Yeah. He's really one of the three or four characters and I, and I say characters knowing that this is a book, but I mean really in the universe, in world. He is one of the reasons why House Atreides is as powerful as it is. Mm -hmm. He's one of Duke Leto's most loyal allies and advisors. You know, we mentioned it before, like Duncan Idaho becomes this incredible fighter. But I wanted to throw in here really quick, protege of Gurney Halleck, Duncan Idaho, said about Gurney Halleck. And you wonder, what does a student think of his teacher, right? Yeah. Duncan Idaho said about Gurney Halleck, quote, he could be killing you while he was singing and never miss a note. Yo. <laughs> what an incredible, like that's amazing. <laughs> so badass. And again, taken from the protege of the man, you know that this has truth to it. Right, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I read that and was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's it that's just who he is. That's who Gurney Halleck is. Yeah. An incredible man. And then you imagine young Paul, who is an incredible, brilliant young kid. He is been under this guy who acts as a father figure, who teaches him not only how to fight, how to get that kill that I'm sure, you know, lessons Gurney learned in the slave pits fighting for that morsel of food you know, beyond formal dukedom training. Like, this is, he knows how to win a street fight. And Paul learns that from him, but also the the nature of poetry and the, the nature of philosophy. Mm -hmm. And when Gurney speaks, it is more often about when it is appropriate to fight, when it is not appropriate to fight. And what a great person to have in your life as a young man, someone who can teach you that lesson. Yeah. Yeah, look. <laughs> 
Gurney Halleck knows four things in life. (laughs) Yeah. He knows how to fight. Yeah. He knows how to play a mean balisette. Incredible. Yeah. He knows how to herd cattle. Hell yeah. And Leo. Yep. (laughs) Most importantly, the man knows how to make love, baby. He fucks. He He fucks. fucks. (laughs) It's canon. (laughs) (laughs) And now you probably get it, right? Like, let's take the book by its word. He's kind of ugly. No. He's kind of ugly man. He's got the big scar on his face. Yeah. But he whips out that ballast and right. baby. And you've heard the legends. You're like, oh, he's a sword master? Oh. Yeah. He's a weapons master? Don't tell us you wouldn't fuck Gurney <laughs> Halleck. And if you said you wouldn't, <laughs> you'd be lying. You'd be lying, sir. Your honor, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question. If we were to take everything we've said about Gurney Halleck, Abu, how would you kind of break him down to his core qualities? Like, how would you summarize the legend that is Gurney Halleck? Wow. What a great question. What a loaded question. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, we've just spent over an hour talking about that. But let me see if I can try and get to the core of Gurney. After doing all of this research and learning so much more about him than, quite frankly, the books ever tell you, right? Like a lot of our (laughs) source material came from extra research and finding specific quotes and looking through the encyclopedia and learning this broader picture of who Gurney is and where he comes from. Right. I think at his core, Gurney is someone who went through a lot in life and that molded him for better or worse to become now, one of the most legendary fighters and one of the most renowned tacticians and warriors in the galaxy. Right. But at the same time, to me, he's a really tragic figure. He's someone who yeah. had a loving family, who had this life and these hopes and these dreams. He wanted to make music. He wanted to be an entertainer. And that was ripped away from him at no fault of his own. Right. Because of the Harkonnens, basically. Fuck <laughs> They ripped this dream away from him. They ripped his life away from him and they ripped his family away from him and he survived. Right. So I guess if I were to really try and boil (laughs) this whole discussion down and try and boil Gurney Halleck down, I would say he's a survivor. Right. He went through hell and back and found a way to make it through with his mind, his body and his soul and turn that into something that he could give to the Atreides and give back to the universe and give to Duncan Idaho and Duke Leto and then eventually Paul himself right. for the better. And I think it takes a certain type of person, a certain type of tenacity, and a certain type of grit to go through something like that and still become a positive, a massive positive force in the universe and in people's lives. And I think we have to commend Gurney Halleck for doing just that. Yeah. You you know, you said the word survivor. And my first thought was, yeah, how adaptable he was, you know, going from being the son of an instrument maker, an aspiring musician to a slave pit king lord <laughs> to, you know, into military, into like formal structurized military. Yeah. And then to be successful there and everything he does. But it, there's also this unyielding quality of him and what he believes is right and just and fair that although it is hatred and this kind of very dark anger you know he has opportunities to show that anger in the journey of dune and they are moments that remind us of the darkness in him but he never compromises what he believes is right and 
It's really just the stars aligning that put him at Duke Leto's side because they're just such a powerful combination. Yeah. The only other thing that I would add to that is that even without all this research, if you had asked me to summarize who, you know, because you did a lot of the research for this episode and going into it, I was trying to think of how I would summarize Gurney without thinking about a lot of those kind of specific details. He really is a poet warrior. Yeah. He is a man who knows how to swing the sword and stab the knife and cut the jugular and do all the dirty stuff. But he's also the one who will refrain from doing so. And he's also the one who will become friends with someone rather than fight them. And he's the one who will compose a song in honor of a valiant foe, you know? Right. It's, it's, he's kind of that lovely, lovely marriage of artistry and violence wrapped up in just, yeah, you're so right, this very tragic life that hardened him into the reputation speaks for itself. One of the strongest people in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah, look, like I always say, Leo. <laughs> yeah. Like I always say. Keep your kinjal on you, you all the well, time. Well, I do always say that. But like, I also always say... Let's do another shot of Sappho juice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also say that. I, but yeah. I also say... Light up the Samuta. <laughs> yeah, after all of the other things I say, I say one more thing, Leo. Yeah. And that is... We all deserve a lover that is Gurney Halleck in the streets and Gurney Halleck in the sheets. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Gurney Halleck in the streets, Gurney Halleck in the sheets. Yeah, that's, that's merch. Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. <laughs>